Sonic States. Okay, well, um, here we all are. Podcast number five. We finally made it, so that must mean five weeks. That's pretty good. Um, we've got uh, Oz Owen in the studio with us today. He's the current editor of Future Music. I use the term studio lightly, but I suppose he has got his own microphone and mic stand and headphones, so it does, does kind of count. Sitting here fully equipped. Yep, and, um, and also Andy Mack from... Just back from Texas. And Dave Spears again, of course, from G Media Music. He's uh, responsible for such uh, classic software instruments as the Oddity, Mtron, Imposca, uh, Mini Monster Melaman, and uh, we think there's a few more coming soon. Of course. So, um, being the only person that went to NAM in this group is actually Andy, we're all sitting here uh, sort of equipped to talk about what goodies he brought us back and any news of uh, any items that we found over there how, how was nam i mean we, i've never been to austin texas what was what was the vibe of the show andy the vibe of the show was pretty good actually there, there were a lot of manufacturers there that weren't there at indy and the vibe was generally pretty positive and, and the latest gossip i've got is it's not going back to indy apparently they had all a big meeting about two weeks ago just before the show and the manufacturers just went look we're not going back there because what's the point really it's not really music related so we think it's going to be in Austin next year too. It's a bit more of a rocking city. I mean, it is a bit it? more of a rocking city. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a good little sort of band scene going there. I was staying near Sixth Street, which is where all the action is. Well, well, the general vibe was good. People were saying, "Yeah, okay, we didn't expect that many people, but uh, we were pleasantly surprised." One thing that was really interesting, I thought, was the the M Audio sort of entering the DJ market with this uh, Talk software. I don't know if anyone saw the video that we put up, uh, Andy filmed, of the, that guy Chad, who was apparently the, the creator of it, and also the trigger finger, by the way, um, demonstrating it. I mean, it was really impressive. I mean, Noz, you're a bit of a t- turntablist. What did, what did you make of it? Uh, well, I'm amazed with the way that, you know, the, uh, the whole turntablist thing is really coming on. Technology is being embraced by, uh, by uh, so many manufacturers now. But, uh, yeah, to see someone like M Audio get involved, um, to punt out a product like that, which, to be fair, on the surface of it, looks pretty amazing from that demonstration. The sort of uh, hands-on remixing, stuttering effect stuff you can throw in there seems incredible. And the price, well, you know, it's M-Audio, isn't it? So it's going to be affordable. It'd be interesting to see what sort of impact that has as a real hands-on, user-friendly sort of uh, tool. Uh, Dave, do you know any, any DJs who are kind of software-based? I mean, I haven't really seen... I don't go to too many clubs these days myself, but have you seen anything like that? Uh, no, not club-wise, but um, again, I don't go to too many clubs these days. Bit of an old git when it comes to that now. Um, no, but I mean, people like um, Aaron Price and that, they're using live a lot. Um, so I think this will do pretty well. Like Oz said, you know, the price is uh, pretty killer. I know that I know this uh, the guy who demoed it at NAMM, and he's an extraordinary, extraordinarily good demoer. Yeah, do you think so, he made it look better than it actually is, then? I don't think so, but I think if anyone can show it off to the max, it'll be this man. Yeah, he was very good. I mean, he made it look so easy. Yeah, well, it's his baby, basically. I mean, we were lucky to get him uh, on camera doing a demo. But he's, uh, he's very passionate about it. And I think with good reason. It seems to be a, a pretty good piece of kit. I like the sort of time code, um, the, the time code aspect of it and the way that you could do the relative and the absolute stuff so you can scratch whatever you've got up. I mean, it looked to me like a kind of maybe more Ableton than Ableton, for, but for the DJ. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think that, uh, you know, live is a fantastic bit of software and does so much stuff, but this is kind of like really a hands-on thing just for the DJ. 
and as you say the fact that you can sort of you know with 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 hot buttons you can just sort of like drop in any kind of samples you know the old fresh and stuff with scratching and stuff that's the sort of thing i think that's going to make it um instantly uh a winner for so many people because you've got serato scratch and stanton's final scratch and they're great systems but they seem to be quite sort of linear in many many uh, respects uh but this seems to be actually addressing the sort of the more performance side of things rather than merely interfacing great technology with the dj so uh yeah i think uh, it'll be the start of something something good and m audio always sort of uh pick up the ball and run with it so uh let's see how the far they get yeah i mean the one thing i have to say for m audio i mean and this this happened as soon as Digi bought them. Basically, it was just kind of like they sort of suddenly exploded. And everybody's going, "Crikey! Look at all of those products! Look at this energy coming out of this company!" And they're moving into a totally new era. I mean, I know presumably, Dave, you you know, because they distribute your stuff, don't they? Yeah. And there, I mean, they must have wooed you with some of that energy at the initial uh, meetings, presumably. I think the great thing from our perspective about M Audio is that they've always had a reputation of getting the job done. Uh, they're very, very dynamic, and actually a lot of the guys who kind of do the legwork are totally committed, probably certifiable in some cases, but um, they are a good team. And they were also showing those uh, EX66 speakers, which we saw at, uh, earlier at NAMM. I don't, did, you see, did you listen to those, Oz? Uh, no, we actually got them in for review. We haven't, uh, we haven't published it yet, but uh, yeah, they, they certainly uh, created quite an impression. And unusual for M Audio to suddenly make the leap into a fairly, uh, you know, that sort of mid mid to high range sort of, well, home monitoring sort of solution. Yeah, I mean, me and Andy listened to them in uh, at NAM, didn't we? And we went into this kind of, it was like a big sonic booth, wasn't it? And you just think, oh, well, you're not going to get any kind of listening experience here. And we both went, I mean, Andy, you know, you're a bit of a hi-fi buff, aren't you? you know, I am, yeah, I have to admit, I've got a a Corel system with quads and all that kind of malarkey, and I was well impressed, I must admit. They did sound really impressive, so, I mean, I, I should be looking forward to checking those out. Um, and also, that the subwoofer, that looked really good. It's just a genius idea, having a foot a switch. foot switch that, with a subwoofer, because every time yeah. I've had a subwoofer in with a mix, you think, oh, yeah, this will be good for vibing, and then you think, actually, I can't tell what's going on, I need to check it out without the subwoofer, and you've got to climb underneath the desk, fiddle about with wires, turn it on, you know, oh, this has just got a foot switch for bypass. I mean, what, you know, simple, but a really bloody good idea. It's so, nice if they put some kind of timer on it as well, so you could just turn the sub base off at, like, 10 o'clock in the evening, because the neighbours do get a little bit... Well, I'm sure <laughs> if you bought something from Kenton, there could be a... Uh, there could be some sort of relay type MIDI device that would do it for you. The one thing I really did like the look of, there's these new Sony headphones um, that were 8 hertz to 80k. Yes, uh, the, the bat phones. Yes, quite. <laughs> yes, Anybody I'm sure think bats that, will appreciate those. Well, that does to your ears, having, you know, imagine having full volume at 8 hertz going into your ears, just sort of flapping mm. your eardrums. What would that be like? Or 80k, in fact. I mean, presumably there's a fair bit of energy, but if you can't hear it, then... Uh, Hmm, interesting. I wonder what if there are any directives you? about what kind of fillings, you know, and, you know, people with dentures <laughs> made of a certain polymer better not listen to these too loud. Or <laughs> what isn't um, seven hertz supposed to be the brown note, as they say? So possibly yes. they cap it at eight just to make sure that there isn't too many embarrassing scenes on <laughs> tube trains and buses and stuff. Well, that's true. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they put a brick wall filter in just in case. Although I think that that has to be quite... That, that's a physical thing, you know, the, the 7 hertz actually has to be moving a lot of air to, Indeed, yeah. to move the uh, aforementioned material from your body. <laughs> nice thought, Bert. Yeah, but up to 80. I don't know, I mean, they say that, you know, anything above 20, it does sort of, the harmonics up there will affect the harmonics lower down in the audible, audible range, but I don't know, it seems uh, 
Uh, it's a nice idea. But I mean, they're touting it as a kind of location recording, you know, people needing to hear the whole... Headphones don't seem to be a very uh, exciting topic to all of us, but... Well, there's so many of them about at the minute, isn't there? That's the thing, isn't it? I think as um, people just concentrate more and more on those sort of essential peripherals like microphones, monitors, headphones. So there's just thousands of them around. We've got quite a little roundup in the uh, the next uh, issue of Future Music, actually. Is that the new look Future Music, by any chance? <laughs> that would be the new look Future Music, yeah. One of the reasons we've got Oz in here is um, we're at issue one, is that right? You've, are you just putting issue two to bed? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm quite exhausted at the minute. We've uh, had a right old week of it getting the second issue uh, sorted out, which we just uh, put to bed yesterday. But the first one is still on sale, and uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I think you'll uh, find it a very different... Uh, prospect to uh, anything that we've done before on the Mac. I think basically the uh, the idea was just to put a bit more fun, a bit more music, and a few more people and studios and that sort of stuff back into the Mac. Is uh, and that's exactly what we've done. So uh, don't just take my word for it. If you happen to be uh, near one of uh, one of our finest stockists of magazines, then pop down there and take a, take a look yourself. The one thing that really I really enjoyed was the extreme recording. It's worth getting for this alone, because on the DVD there's a film of basically four blokes going up in a balloon with a load of photographers and what have you, and making a track with a mobile system. And there's a, somebody playing a double bass, a drum kit, a guitar, and there's a mushroom from Massive Attack um, scratching. It, that was quite extraordinary. We, we were sat around thinking about, well, you know, I mean, of course you can record on a laptop these days, and everyone knows you can, but how can we take it into a slightly more extreme environment? So we thought hot air balloon. Got in touch with Virgin Balloons, uh, give them a little plug there, because they were fantastic. They pretty much said, well, we do have rules and regulations, but we're, we're pretty able to accommodate you. So, yeah, drum kit, double bass, electric guitars, little, those little micro sort of Marshall stacks that we had strapped to the, uh, the sides of the basket. And, uh, yeah, Mushroom uh, himself uh, had a little portable uh, turntable that went up there with seven-inch little scratch, uh, scratch mungus. And... Uh, yeah, Steve uh, Evans, one of our contributors, who's also uh, part of the girls, signed to Wall of Sound. Um, he masterminded the whole sort of recording side of it, so he had uh, his uh, MacBook Pro running Logic and uh, the Motu Traveller, the mighty Motu Traveller, mm. uh, everything going into there, and uh, we recorded the track and uh, did the whole thing up one mile above the ground. I think there are a lot of people who perhaps weren't quite prepared for how cold it was going to be up there. I noticed that Joe... Um, who was one of the guitarists, started to look really terrified at one point. I think he was doing a very sterling job of holding it together. Well, it's one of those weird situations where I'd never been in a balloon before, and when you suddenly look over the side, and you bear in mind the side comes up to just above your waist, and you're kind of thinking that there's 6,000 feet down, and you know, you're pretty much on the edge of uh, the stratosphere, it feels like. You've got a little cloud cover below you, and uh, it's quite extreme, and yeah, bloody freezing. But yeah, imagine. amazing experience, and... Uh, we're looking to do um, further extreme How recordings. How can you top that? Underwater? Well, we, we are working on a few bits and pieces. Caves? And, uh, if anyone's got any ideas for amazing locations that it might be uh, quite nice to, uh, you know, from a photographic point of view and uh, just to get out there and do something a little bit different, then do let us know. Abseiling. Uh, abseiling. I can <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always count on Nick to come up with the, uh, the next, <laughs> with the next your direction. MacBook Pro. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mind, mind you, I suppose at least in the balloon, the MacBook wasn't running too hot. 
No, no, no. We were a little worried because it was sat on the wicker and we were expecting it to burn through at any minute. But and there's uh, all that butane up there. It could have been a nasty accident. Yeah, yeah. Safety standards were adhered to. The only thing that I feel you missed a trick on with that was recording the landing because I was just thinking these guys going down presumably that guy's double bass you know double bass uh, might not have been his best one but they're still fairly valuable instruments and all the laptops and all the other stuff and people sort of you know you quite often have a fairly rough landing how was the landing the landing was amazing I mean we we, uh, according to uh, to Nobby our, our pilot we were sort of coming in at about 10 knots which, when you're actually sort of approaching the ground fairly quick, it's pretty speedy. And it was, it was a textbook landing. We did end up on our side, but I believe that's the norm. But what I found most amazing was the fact that there was actually the farmer was stood there, not more than 20 feet away from us as we were hurtling towards his field, with a scythe in his hand. I don't think I spotted the, uh, the straw sticking out of his mouth. But everything was there, and he just looked a little bit surprised as we came crashing into his field. But it was very gracious. And, uh, Excellent. You sure it was a farmer and not the angel of death? <laughs> I mean, there was an Ableton 6 as well that was announced. We didn't get to see it in action, but we did get a very enthusiastic man, um, a enthusiastic man at M-Audio telling us all about all the new features, which did sound good. I mean, are there enough features? To, I mean, sit, from 5 to 6, it's kind of a big iteration, so is it a big change in stuff? Yeah, well, uh, the Ableton guys actually came down to see us. Um, we were in the pub over the road, actually, just... Uh Dave, with his laptop, was uh, showing us through some features, uh, obviously still alpha code, but looking amazing. I mean, what can you say about Live that hasn't been said already? It's a fantastic program, does everything you want it to do, and that in itself kind of begs the question, where, where is there left to go? But, you know, they've got this sort of QuickTime support now and a bunch of cool new uh, sort of uh, plugs and updated uh, effects and stuff, and obviously the sampler as well is going to make a big difference, and I think they've tweak the uh, operator synth and so I think it's just sort of refinements as well as like a whole load of other new sort of bits and pieces you know chaining effects and yeah that kind of combinator type of thing that looked like a good idea really yeah I think that's always going to be brilliant and when you start getting you know big complicated patches flying around on the internet that you can just sort of download from various sort of like forums and user groups I think that's going to be amazing it's going to really bring the the software alive in terms of just sort of people interacting with it uh, rather than just, you know, on a musical level, but actually getting into swapping various patches and stuff. I think that's going to be great. And I think, you know, we, we've got a, a preview of it in uh, in the next issue of Future Music that will be on sale in a couple of weeks. Uh, we talked to Dave Hill as well, got some uh, pretty nice uh, uh, inside bits and pieces from him. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think Live 5 is brilliant. It's been brilliant since version 1, as far as I can tell, you know. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. I mean, the one thing that I've... Because uh, I've been looking at it from a li- actual a live, live point of view in terms of running a band from it um, on stage. And the only thing that I really think they need to look at is making a sort of drummer-friendly display. So if the drummer's, say, for instance, triggering the sections with three pads or whatever, he's got a massive bar counter with a massive bit of titleage that just says, this is the section that's playing and this is the, this is the count of the bar. Because at the moment, it's tiny weenie and it's... It's a bit scary. I mean, I, I did I did try it with one of the drummers. And he just said, oh, "Well, I can't see that. I'm I'm too you know I'm a bit too. It's a bit too scary to fly this whole thing on a show with a really tiny bar counter and, and not enough visual feedback, which I'm sure would be quite easy. So maybe if they're listening, they could uh, put that in in six point oh one one or something. Dave, I mean, you're you're a, um, a big fan of Ableton, is that right as well? I think they're a superb company. Actually, I really do. I mean, they. Um Let's face it, we've all had problems with our various sequences over the years, but Ableton are just one of those companies that listen to their user feedback and really act on it. 
I, I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, what's this deep freeze thing? I'm quite intrigued by this. Well, from what the guy was saying, it enables you to freeze, as in, you know, you can with most software, um, so that it, it frees up CPU power, but then also edit as well without unfreezing, which I don't, or, or maybe it's selectively done. It seems kind of quite unusual that you don't have to unfreeze the whole thing. So it's something to do with that from what he was saying. I mean, have you seen that feature in action? Uh, very briefly, I mean, I couldn't tell you much about the specifics, but that seems to be about, you know, the crux of it, the fact that you can freeze like a whole track or, or multiple tracks and uh, then you can actually be cutting it up, moving it around, sort of semi-editing. Obviously, you can't get down to note level, I don't think, right. but uh, that's kind of like what happens, I guess, when you render. But you, you can move stuff around so you don't have to unfreeze just for the littlest tweak now. That does sound pretty interesting. Um, I was going to say something else about it but it's completely gone from my mind. I'll obviously be editing all of this out, not to make myself look like too much of a buffoon. <laughs> but, um, I'm happy to go on with Dave, though, insofar as I think that um, Ableton do very much kind of... It's almost like the uh, the users on the forums are a part of the team. Well, they didn't they do... They did that thing where they took a lot of big, heavy posters on the forums and invited them to Berlin for a sort of... Uh, live fest where they sort of all got together and I presumably drank beer and ate sausages or whatever and talked about what they wanted and, and that sounds like a really great strategy. Sonnet State. There was a couple of other things that really caught my eye from the from the NAM show. Um, one was this Zoom H4 compact four-track recorder, which is kind of, um, from the looks of it, it's the sort of, you know, what the form seems to be is something about the size of a mobile phone and will record four tracks simultaneously. Now, that looks like an exciting thing. I, sp I know me and Andy were kind of getting a bit hot under the collar about that because we need that sort of thing for just recording video and what have you. I think that's going to be interesting how the Zoom one is. Uh, Boss, of course, we've got their BR Micro, I think it's called. Similar kind of concept, very, very small, just slips into the pocket, probably about the size of a, well, a bit bigger than an iPod. But again, four tracks, uh, multi-effects, loads of uh, drum patterns that you can drop in left, right and centre. So uh, again, you know, and, and the price on it, I think it's somewhere, I, I'm, don't quote me on this, but about 170 And uh, That's UK pounds, yeah? That's UK pounds. And you do sort of think, well, you know, at that sort of price, it's the sort of thing you just want to carry around with you just in case you were... Uh, you know, you bump into a little something you want to get down. Let's say, having, having seen it in the flesh, I thought, yeah, I want one of those. It was the only one of the range that's made me think that, because it was just so handy. It does everything, you know, it's guitar tuner built in, you know, drum machines, it's just, yeah, it's got the lot. Well, it's, the, it's the Micro BR, is, is yeah. that's not what it's called. Yeah. We did actually shoot that. A nice got a, toy. got a video demo on, uh, on Sonic State from, uh, from Nam, filmed by Andy, just in case you wanted to check that out yourselves. Dave, have you, uh, do, you, do you ever get involved in sort of little tiny recording hardware lust? Uh, yeah, in fact, again, you know, this is the first thing that I've seen like this that I've thought, hmm, I might just have to get one of those. I mean, I'm a bit like Andy, I kind of go everywhere with my big vid cam, and it gets a bit tiresome after a while, and actually I'll take the video camera out, even if I'm only recording audio. Sometimes I'll sort of wander around and get kind of GV audio stuff. Um, but this seems like a pretty good solution. The other thing that I thought, and I know we've seen it before, was the, uh, the Personas fader port. You know, that, that kind of little, it's like a little USB thing with one moving fader, transport control, and various other buttons on it. They're finally, it's finally in production. I mean, it seems to have taken them an awfully long time, but it, to, me, to my, me, it looks like a really great piece of kit. I mean, that and a laptop. Because mostly when you're automating things, I mean, I've got a Behringer um, BCF2000 or whatever, and it, while it's great, it's it's still quite big, but this thing kind of gives you all that functionality. So if you want to, you know, run a little bit of automation into uh, a laptop running Logic or whatever, it looks like a really good thing. Anyone else seen those? I don't suppose you've had one in for review because they wouldn't have made them yet. But it's uh, on my uh, list to buy. 
Is fact, it? Yeah. It, I, I have put my order in already. Have you? No, I saw it at Winternam and was just like, wow, because I've got keyboards kind of all over the studio. And half the time, you know, I'm on a particular keyboard and I want to fire the sequencer up and record something. And particularly in a vocal booth, if I'm doing vocals myself, <laughs> um, you know, I'll need, I'll, I'll need the transport controls associated with it. Save me stepping out of the booth, you know, running across to the computer. So, would you? How would you run that? Because I mean, obviously, you need USB going to that point. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, just run a USB cable. The uh, the transport that came out a while back—that's the wireless one, isn't it? That's I mean, that transport like the, with a Z, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that seems like the perfect option. It's one of those gadgets that I just fell in love with immediately, and uh, you know, I've, I've got no no real place for that in my uh, recording environment, but I just want one anyway. Well, that yeah, but that's got a readout, hasn't it? And that's a wireless thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got it's just got a scroll wheel and sort of cursors and transport. It hasn't got a fader, a moving fader. If they had no. a moving fader, I'd be there. I love the idea of the fact yeah. that it's got one fader on it. It does almost remind me of the um, the April Fool we had in uh, Future Music a couple of years back. We had uh, the Novation F station. Do you remember that one? I didn't see it, but I've heard about it. Oh, right. It was actually yeah, F for finger, and it's just a, a keyboard with one key for the uh, the hard house generation that you could sort of uh, <laughs> had left and right buttons to change the pitch. And it's the same with this PreSonus thing, isn't it? You've got, you can scroll through your sort of uh, your, your different channels and uh, adjust as according. Yeah, yeah. But just it's just a tiny little. I just like the fact that it's got one moving fader. I think that's just priceless. And obviously, uh, it's another small gizmo. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but they're a really interesting company. I mean, we, we were talking about M Audio earlier, and actually, the really cool thing about PreSonus is they seem to be on the kind of cusp of the, the same buzz within the industry. Everybody's I've heard kind of going, the same thing. And check out the PreSonus stuff. You've got to go and check it out. So I think. Um, there's a few exciting things to come from them. I think, yeah, I'd go along with that. I think they're one of the few companies that seems to have built um, a reputation already as being a lot older and a lot wiser than they probably deserve reputation-wise, just based on the fact that every single product they do is rock-solid, excellent quality. And so they've almost sort of picked up that sort of, you know, focus-right-style seal of approval where everyone mm. kind of... You, you just associate PreSonus as a, as a byword for quality. So good work, fellas. I mean, they, they did have a bit of a shaky start when they were doing that M-Land stuff. Because in America, I think their, their my camps and EQs and things were, were sort of held in quite high esteem from whenever year dot. I don't know when they, were, when they started. Anyone know that? Sorry, I was uh, sidetracked there by the uh, M-Land conversation. I, I should say now that um, last week, I said that Nick Howes, who was one of the sort of key evangelists for M-Land technology and an all-round top bloke and very involved in the O1X, which was Yamaha's sort of flagship M-Land product, had left Yamaha. I nearly said he'd gone to work for M-Audio, but I'm glad I didn't because I actually got an email from him saying, no, I still work for Yamaha and um, I'm very flattered that, you know, that you were all uh, happy with my work and, it, you know, etc. But he... Um, he is actually still working for Yamaha, but he's doing more of the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, more the sort of debugging and kind of sorting things out with Mland. So I'd just like to say, sorry, Nick, uh, you, I know you still have got a job with Yamaha, and I didn't mean to say otherwise. <laughs> I'm sure he took it in the best spirit possible. He did. He was very gracious. And, uh, well, and, and also, it's affirmation that we've got at least one listener. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> or maybe two, because someone might have told him about it. <laughs> I think we better sh- we better stop. No, that's probably right. <laughs> so, uh, chaps, that's been fantastic. Thank you ever so much, Dave Spears. Thank you. Uh, and Oz Owen. Well, yeah, it's great. Thanks for having us. And Andy Mack. 
You're welcome. Son, stay. Okay, once again, thanks to our guest for this week. Uh, remember, you can contact us using our Skype handle, uh, which is Sonic Talk. Or if you want to use the phone, our number in the US is 312-376-8089. Outside, of course, dial 001 and 312-376-8089. So please do give us a call, leave us a message, uh, give us your thoughts on anything we've been talking about or anything else for that matter. Um, if you want to email us with any questions or maybe problems with the, with the download or whatever, just uh, email sonictalk at sonicstate.com. Okay, thanks very much. See you next time. Sonic State. Not home.